Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Just Like You Show. I am your host, Alexis Christine, and I am a spiritual mindset coach and Reiki master, helping women break through their limiting beliefs, rewire their brain, and manifest the life of their dreams. Just Like You is a podcast for all of the divine souls looking for guidance on their healing and ascension journey. We explore the depths of the universe, hold space for vulnerable conversations about spirituality and self-development, delve into the esoteric things like how to manifest, star seeds, the astral realm, and shed light on taboo topics such as plant medicine and so, so much more. I am honored that you are here to take this journey with me. I want everyone listening to be able to leave each episode feeling inspired and having learned something tangible to take away into their day-to-day life. If you feel called to work with me or explore this work deeper, please reach out at imalexischristine.com or you can DM me on Instagram at iam.alexischristine. Hello, everyone. Welcome, my divine souls, back to Just Like You. I'm so excited for today's episode. I know I say that every time, but it's because I truly am so excited. And today I have a friend on named Chris and... This episode is going to be a little bit of a different one, and it's really just to show you how amazing life can unfold for you in the most like unexpected ways when you choose to actually let go, take chances, do the things that scare you, and just surrender to the universe. So it's a story time episode. It's definitely a longer one, as I'm sure you've already noticed, and Chris really just takes us through his entire journey to from being a kid, growing up, and becoming a professional rugby player. So what that whole process looks like, because there are so many twists and turns and ups and downs and just, it's insane. To now being retired and finding fulfillment in a job he's doing now, which he literally never thought would ever happen. Like it's the job was just so unexpected. Um, And he also shares some tidbits about uh, Samoan and I'm going to say this so wrong. Maori Maori culture he keeps trying to teach me how to say it and for some reason I can never get the accent right so I'm so sorry if I butchered it um but just some cultural learnings from there that completely warm my heart and I'm so excited for you guys to hear them I don't know I just so deeply connect with them it's the most beautiful thing and just a very quick trigger warning we do talk about suicide in this episode um because someone in his life did follow that path so if that is something that is not um, okay for you to be listening to, just a quick warning. That happens at some point in the episode. I'm not quite sure of the exact time mark, but it's when he starts talking about his dad. So just a heads up, I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this episode and just really learn through it as I have just listening to him and having this conversation and learning so much And again, if you guys are enjoying the podcast and like the episode, please leave us a review. Please share it on your socials or with anyone who you think might enjoy listening to it. And I hope you guys have an amazing time listening to the episode. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Just Like You Show. I am your host, Alexis Christine, and today I have my amazing friend with me, Chris, who is an ex-rugby union player, super, super well-traveled, and is now living and residing in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, and he is a student support learning officer at a high school. So, Chris, welcome. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm very good, actually. So, my name is Chris, for those of you that know me. Um, 
I'm born and raised in West Auckland. Okay, so everyone, for those who don't know, Chris and I actually met in the beginning of 2021, I think it was, because you were you were stranded literally in London during the pandemic, and you could not get back to New Zealand. Yes, that right? is correct. That is right. Yeah. And what, you came over yes. for a tournament, a rugby tournament? Yes, I came over to play for this team, the World Barbarians. And mm. I came over in October, I think. And then I went to Bermuda for two weeks. And then on my way back home, I was like, oh, I might as well stick around here and see you because they went into, they didn't, weren't into full lockdown in London. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll stay here for a week or something. But at that time, they changed the rules for the quarantine back in New Zealand. So I couldn't get a flight back home. So I ended up getting stuck in London. <laughs> I mean, it was to my benefit, obviously, because then we met and we like, we, I don't know. I don't, I think we met near the end of your trip. But we ended up hanging out. And literally until you left, like I left the same time you left for your flight. So it was great. It was a great friendship. And I was at the time doing my 75 hard and Chris just like came on and did it with me because I was like, no, like I can't keep hanging out here. Like I have to go read my book. I have to do my two workouts. Like, and he was like, fuck it. I'll just do it with you. So it made my life a lot easier, but you enjoyed it too. You liked the 75 hard. Oh, I did. I was still trying to do it. And then when I got to the airport, I was like, because of the food options, they didn't give you the right choice. I didn't know how I could exercise, you know what I mean? At the airport, yeah. I was like, I'll find stretch or something for 45 minutes, do yoga, but I didn't want to be like sit at the airport, like on the floor doing yoga or running around the airport. <laughs> but I did try. I think I, I booked the end up booking a room on my layover. And then I was in where? Singapore or Korea? Korea, sorry. On my layover, I got a room and I was doing it in my room. But what did I do? I think I did. Yeah, I did the book. I was doing yeah. uh, the exercise, the food. The food was the hardest part, I think, when you travel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's obviously options there, but um, no, yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> I ended up doing it. I've just done it this year as well. So. I know, and your results were amazing. I'm so proud of you. I think the boys that did it were better than I did, but. Yeah, no, I was no you all looked great. It's it's not an easy challenge, so I commend nah. all of you. Yeah, a lot of people think like when you hear two workouts a day is hard, but it's not the working out; it's more the food and the water, as you know. The water, the fucking water! Long, oh my god! As you wait too long for the water, you know what I mean? You're up or not pissing. So. Yeah, literally all the time. It's nonstop. Ah, the memories. Okay, so do you want to tell everyone a little bit about kind of where you're from? So obviously I mentioned that you live in, in Sydney, but your accent is very clearly not Australian. Um, and so just kind of tell everyone where you're from, kind of what your upbringing was like, and just like a little bit of background about yourself. Yes, yeah, so I was born and raised in Auckland, uh, West Auckland, out of Messy, went to school there. Um, and then I'm... Proud Maori and Samoan, as well as mm -hmm. I like to be called Maori, not New Zealander, um, <laughs> <laughs> and also Samoan as well. Um, I have, yeah, I have two siblings who have a few kids. My my sister's got two, and my brother's got four. He's he's his youngest boy, his only boy actually, is named after me. Aww, so it's a yeah, it's a bit of a bonus. I love that. So you're close with your family then? 
Yeah, very close, very close. My dad passed away when I was 19, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's good. It's it's nice when you can grow up with siblings that you're actually close with and have relationships with because there's so many families that are estranged and it's sad. Oh, it's funny you say that. Me and my brother don't really – we don't really know how to talk to each other. Like, he, he can't really? – he doesn't know how to speak. We all just hear, like, what I see to my brother, he's just like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's like not conversational at all. No, no, no. But then he actually he 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 misses. I know he rang me out of the blue the other day. It was my dad's birthday. Oh. And he was at home. He had COVID. And I was like, "Why is he ringing me? Does he did he want something?" Or <laughs> usually they ring me if they want something. I wasn't or some somebody something happened back home maybe. And yeah. then he told me he's like, "Oh, what are you up to?" I was like, oh, "I just finished work. More into the gym." And then he was like. Oh, oh! I just thought I'd call you because Dad's birthday. I'm having a beer, and I thought you would. I was like, "Oh shit, yeah, that's right." <laughs> oh, that's so sweet that he did that. He wanted to share a moment. Yeah, I know, and I was like, I was caught off guard from that. Actually, that phone call. Even when we were on the phone, we're only there for about five minutes. I was still like, "Why is he calling me? He never calls me. Does he want something?" <laughs> And I ended up messaging him after the phone call because it kind of hung, like it stopped abruptly, and I was like, "Hey, man! Like, thank you for the call. Like, I appreciate it. Like, I'm not drinking at the moment. It was July, so we do dry July on this side. I don't know. Oh, really? I do it. Didn't we do, do dry it? Jan. You do dry July. That's so interesting. Maybe October or something. Is it? No, it's it's dry January. It's normally like right after New Year's. I think no, no we do do November in November. I don't think there's anything in October. I thought it was sober October. I don't know, maybe. But um it must be something for everything. So I was doing dry July, so I was like <laughs> shit. I was like, sorry man, can you have a drink for me? And then Yeah, I just message him saying that he could talk to me whenever. Oh, that's so sweet. So are they are all your siblings living back in New Zealand still? Yeah, so they my my mom lives with my sister and her partner and her two kids and my brother stays with his partner and their four kids and her parents. Nice. I think her her siblings my my brother's siblings quite a big house. So. How often do you get to see them? I haven't seen them since I moved over here to Sydney. Really? That's been years. Yeah. No, it's only one year. What? A year and a half now? Has it only been? Why does it feel like so much longer? I know. What is it? Is it 2022? Yeah. Yeah, the middle. It's August. I don't even know what year it is. Honestly, I was about to say it's 2023, but it's definitely not. (laughs) It's 2022 for sure. Yeah. So, oh, but my mom came over last year for her birthday in May. Yeah. She came to Sydney for the weekend. And that was the last time I saw her. But otherwise, I just usually call my mom. Every mm-hmm. usually before it was every weekend. Now I think I haven't spring to or last weekend maybe or two weekends ago, and then she's at home, and so I just talk to her as around. Nice, that's yeah. good. So, nice. how did you end up getting into rugby then? Uh, so rugby was, I guess, my dad. My dad got me into all sports when I was younger. He got me watching, playing everything. And a funny story, well, I don't know if it's funny, but um, <laughs> I used to play soccer when I was four or five. Mm-hmm. My dad took me to soccer training one day, and then there was no one there. So I started crying, like, oh, I'm not playing. Like, I was <laughs> gutted, so gutted that I wasn't playing soccer. And he's like, oh, we'll take you to rugby training instead. 
and then um, he ended up taking me to rugby training because I was crying too much. To stop me crying, he took me to rugby training. And then I guess ever since then, uh, since I was four or five years old, I played rugby in New Zealand. And then I guess it was always a dream. It's, it's, it's huge in New Zealand rugby. So it's yeah. like a dream to play for New Zealand, which I didn't quite get to, but yeah. I mean, you were pretty close though. Um, yeah, well, I went as high as you could go, excluding the All Blacks, but mm-hmm. I went pretty high in New Zealand from, yeah, from a young age. But I used to be, well, I wouldn't say small, but I was in the backs. So I used to be fast and then, so I used to, so those don't know. I don't know if you even know what a back or forward is in rugby. Yeah, I played rugby for a year in high school. Yeah. yeah. So I used to be in the backs when I was younger, and then I slowly, as I got older, they started moving me closer towards the forwards because I was too big. And then, what were you? So, what were you playing when you went into the the union teams? Was it a prop? Yeah. So, I I think I I started at second five when I was younger. First five from played all the positions growing up until I was twelve. Then I moved to high school. And then everyone else was faster than me because they're all skinnier and <laughs> smaller. So I was like, maybe I'm not made for this. So I moved to number eight. And then I think when I was 15, I decided I was still the biggest in the school. But like I thought I was pretty fast for my size. So I was like, nah, I don't want to go. And all my idols that I idolized when I was younger were all in the backs. I never used to idolize forwards. Yeah. So I was like, nah, nah, I'm staying in the backs because it's yeah. <laughs> where the glory is made. And then ended up moving forward into the props. Props are a lot of the bigger, bigger guys of the team. So they don't really get spoken of the team, but they do the hard work. All the hard work. <laughs> All the hard work. So, so how many years were you actually playing for? So, well, since I was five, I grew up playing. No, sorry, when you when you reached like the rugby union level, like when you started playing professionally. Well, professional, I, I reached it late for most people. A lot of really? the people are still playing and holding on to that dream. And then I moved to the academy when I was at school. So I was decent. I, I thought I was good. Everyone would tell me I was good, but I don't think I was as good as I thought I was. Mm. Well, I just didn't put in the work. You know, when I was younger, I thought that my skill and my natural abilities would get me through to where I wanted to be. But when looking back at it, I was like, probably wasn't good enough. But um, so I made like rep teams when I was at school. So I think the first rep team was like under 16s. My first okay. rep team, it's not professional, but it's like representative level for your union in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. I was under 16. So that's when I was at school. And then I think my last year of school, they, in my days, it was quite a few years ago. Um, <laughs> in my days, they used to have under-19s and an under-21s New Zealand team. Nowadays, they only have under-20s. And I went to a, I went to a trial for under-19s, New Zealand under-19s, and I got injured. I think that would have been one of my, yeah, mm. one of my first, well, one of my very first um, well, not setbacks, setbacks from my future progressing. So what was the injury? I ended up 
like um, popping my shoulder or something. I don't even remember. Oh. It's something to do with my my shoulder. When you're younger, like, you know, you feel invincible. You feel like you can do anything. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, after my shoulder got injured, I kind of just, I think that, that setback kind of got me um, a little bit oh, gutted, I suppose, like that I missed mm. out, you know, a bit disappointed. I didn't really know how to deal with it. And then... Yeah. I think I left school, was playing club footy for my team, Messi. And and then I was in the academy while I was during school, so three years of that. And then I remember, because it was my my first year, I was playing under-21s for my club. And I was still in the academy at North Harbour. And I, what do you call it? I made, um, I think I got the most tries in the competition for... Oh. Like it was, as a prop as well. So it was like unheard of nice. that a prop outscores the wingers. And then I got player of the club, the whole club, not just my team, but I got player of my team and player of my club that year. And then the, the academy, the union, the union that I was playing for, they didn't want me in the academy. They said, no, you don't fit. Like, into, you know, pretty much they, I, they said I wasn't good enough. And I was like, how can I not wow. be good enough? In my head, I was like, how can I not be good enough when I was scoring all these tries, best player in the club, and I was only yeah. like 19 or something. It's like, how could I, you know? That makes no so sense. So after that, I went into a bit of a, bit of, got into a bit of a slump. Because I was a big boy. I was a big boy at school. Mm-hmm. I, I hadn't been, I was like 86 at, I don't know, 11 years old or 10 years old or 86, 86 kgs. kgs. I don't know how much, yeah. Okay. And then when I got to high school, it was like 110 kgs. My first year of high school, second year, was like 130 kgs. I don't know uh-huh. how much. I'm, I'm converting right now. So 86 kgs for anyone listening is like 190 pounds. 110 kgs is 240. And then 130 is 286. Yeah, so I was like that at... When? I was like 13 or 14. Yeah, quite young. <laughs> a lot of this though is also like because you're training and you're playing, like a lot of that must also be muscle. No, that wasn't muscle because you're a baby, do you know what I mean? You don't really get that much muscle. I thought it would have been muscle, but when you're a kid, you hold a lot of like baby fat. You see a lot, a mm. lot of kids that have like, you know what I mean? Yeah, okay, fair. And so I think I got up to like 150 kgs one, one thing. <laughs> So, wow. yeah, from injuries and like disappointment and I just ate and thought I was training but I was just in the gym no cardio mm, yeah so it was like you were you didn't know how to process the emotions so you just ate them which is exactly what I used to do just eat my emotions all the time it's one coping mechanism <laughs> yeah and so after I got dropped from the academy I ended up doing security I was doing mm. security for my cousin's business and then I think after a few months, um, well, I had a bad night at work, very bad night at work on the door. I got, I wouldn't say beaten up, but I got hit a few times from a female in New Zealand, oh. you know. Uh, some of the girls can be a bit, you know, a bit rough. <laughs> <laughs> it can be a bit rough, as you can say. And I, this girl was too intoxicated and I told her she couldn't come in. And then, mm. 
she took it out on me. And then after that, my I just bought a new jacket, like a you know the black coats that they wear. I mm-hmm. just bought a new one. And after that incident, I told two of my best mates, okay, you guys come outside. I'm going upstairs. You guys deal with this. <laughs> I'm not dealing with anything <laughs> outside. So you guys have to deal with the outside stuff. And then after work, I ended up going to my car and had like a $400 fine for no rego, no warrant. <laughs> so oh, like gosh. things happened that night. And I was just like, this is one of the worst nights of my life, which ended up to be one of the best nights because when I got home, I checked. This would have been in 2007. Mm-hmm. I think I was only 21 or something. And I checked my my emails. Because you get home, that was the only thing around me, I think. It was maybe Facebook had just come out. Maybe. 2007, yeah, that sounds right. So it was still emails. And I checked my, maybe it was a Facebook email. And I missed it from this <laughs> random person. They're like, hey, would you like to come play um, rugby in Portugal? And I was like, is this like happening? I was like, yeah, it's everything. Like it's uh it was my first ever semi um professional contract. Mm-hmm. I didn't know too much about it. And I was like, um, ooh, Portugal, yeah, that's in um South America. And I was South like, America. Yeah, I'm going to South America. <laughs> and I had to look it up on the map. And I was like, Portugal, oh that's next to Spain, France. That's in Europe. How good is that? That's and so, so without hesitation, like, um, I actually, it was a drunken night. You know, I was speaking to my best mate at the time. We were, we went out and I was like, and I told him about the offer and he's like, yeah, you should take it. And I was like, I can't leave my mom because she just lost, well, we wasn't so after my dad passed away. Mm. And I'm a mom's boy. So my mom is my world. It yeah. wasn't too long after that. I didn't know if I could leave her or not. And I was 21 and I was like, rang her. He's like, just ask your mom. And I was like, she'll understand. So I like rang her crying. I was drunk and crying. I was like, <laughs> I want to go to Portugal, but I don't want to leave you. Like, um, can I go? She's like, son, are you right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, you know, just a bit of emotion. I want I, I want this opportunity. She's like, son, do whatever you think is best for you. Aw. And I ended up going to Portugal. Moved to Portugal was one of the best decisions of my life, to be honest. It's amazing. And then from there, I guess it just kind of led into other contracts and then getting you up no, to the well, right that's the thing. That's the funny thing. When I went to Portugal, I thought um, that was my career done in New Zealand, like the All Black Dream and everything was over. Mm. I live in Portugal, like, because um, there's a few foreigners over there that were playing. And they had to live there for three years to qualify to play for Portugal. And then you get the um, the European passport as well. So it classifies mm. you, you can go anywhere in Europe and play in France or something like that, UK. So I was trying to go down that that, that page. Um, that, path. That path, sorry. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> trying to go down that path. But um, it didn't, I think it was 2011, it was my third year there. And they, oh, the World Cup was in New Zealand. And mm. I was like, I wanted to play in that World Cup, like, well, even if it was for Portugal, but they hadn't qualified. Damn. So I decided not to play for them. I decided um, to go home and go home to New Zealand. And then I ended up back in New Zealand. Uh, 2011, I ended up watching the World Cup, watching um, 
and it was a great moment for us Kiwis because we won the World Cup at home. <laughs> Congrats. And then, yeah, and then um, one of my other friends, they all moved to, to Australia. My friends that I grew up with and went to school with, they moved over to Australia and they're like, come over to Dubbo, which is like six hours from Sydney. It's like mm. in central New South Wales. And I wasn't doing too much. So I was like, yeah, why not? You know, and then I think there was this volcano in Chile or something. This would have been in 2011. And it stopped all the flights. I already had my flight. I was literally at my leaving party. I had my leaving party oh, shit. Weekend, one weekend. And then there was a, and there's all ashes. So all the flights had to be cancelled. I don't know if anyone mm. remembers. Yeah, it was like in 2011 where a lot of flights got cancelled. So during that time that I was, I was like, okay, the flights will be back in a couple of weeks. I already committed to this. And that time, another friend messaged me. He just moved down to Wellington in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. I was back in Auckland. And then he moved down to Wellington. He's like, come down to Wellington. Me and you can play some club footy down here. And I was like, yeah, sweet. Why not? Like, okay, not- sorry. When you say footy, are you talking about like soccer or are you still no, referring sorry, to rugby? We just call footy. I think they call okay, it. Okay, because in, in England, they call yeah. footy like football, soccer. So I wanted to double yeah, check. Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> It's this Australian thing they call it footy. I, no, I it's not it, good. I call it rugby too, but so rugby. Anyway, so you're going you're going down to Wellington. Going down to Wellington. <laughs> yeah, so I moved down to Wellington with moved down to Wellington with my one of my other good mates, and we stayed and played down there. Uh, the first year didn't really come too much, like. The coach promised us, like, they gave us a job. And I think I was working as a cleaner, actually, at the police station. Oh, wow. They gave me a job. And I was like, it was a bit of an eye. I got to play, actually, rugby for the police, for the Wellington police. We had entered a tournament. And I was like, how cool is this? I get to smash police, and I don't get arrested for it. (laughs) (laughs) This is so cool. We were playing in the pool. I remember I was training with my team, and we were playing, like, rugby in the pool, though. And it was just our own team. And I was like drowning one of them. And I was like, look, you get arrested for doing this in real life. <laughs> and I was like, nah, better let him breathe. Better let him breathe. But no, I was like, um, yeah. I, was, I wasn't doing much at work, to be honest. They're like vacuuming the floors and then mm. cleaning out the cells. Yeah. Um, I love how just like free flowy you were though. I was like, you're just chilling, living life. Opportunity comes up. Cool. Let me go do that. And like something happens, you have to change direction. It's like, okay, no big deal. I'm going to go do this instead. Like you're just very easygoing, just like coming and like accepting whatever the universe gives you. It's so like, I love it. I love that mindset. I think it was after my my dad died. I decided to mm-hmm. you know, just, he died when I was 19. So yeah. he, my dad, he um, committed suicide. I'm sorry to hear that. And what do you call it? He actually, he nearly killed my mom too. So he had beaten up my mom, wow. tied her up, took her in the car. And then he was about to drive them to where he was supposed to end both their life. And my mom mm-hmm. managed to talk him out of it. Um, they were driving in a car and then he must have been driving all over the road. And then the cop stopped them, but my mom was in the back. So my dad was like, if you say anything, I'm going to kill this cop as well. And he had a knife, wow. like a butcher's knife in the car. So my mom managed to stay calm and didn't say anything. And the cop was looking at her and she was like, 
he was like, are you okay? And she's like, yep, I'm fine. Everything's fine here. Sorry, just, you know, took my eyes off the road for a little bit. And then the cop let me go. And then um, I think my dad took my mom. This is, he took her for a ride all the way up to where he eventually ended up killing himself. And so some way, somehow, he managed to snap out of it. And my mom said she was telling him that, you know, what about the kids? Think about the kids. And yeah. for some reason he let her go and like drove her all the way back home. And because I remember the phone call when my mom rang me again, I was out drunk with my mates. It was like three o'clock in the morning. And my mom rings me and she's like, Sam, don't go home. Your dad tried to kill me. And I was like, what the hell? Like, I didn't expect this call. You know, I was out yeah. drinking. Also, like, mates. are you trying to pull my leg? Like, is this a yeah, joke? Exactly, joking. That's what I mean. Like, it was like, oh, you joking? Like, it's not, what are you talking about? It's not funny. Like, yeah. Um, and then she's like, no, I'm serious. I'm going to go home. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, to my mate, and I was like, man, my, my, my dad tried to kill my mom. And he was like, oh, like laughing about it. And I was just like, and I was like, I got a little bit angry at him, but he didn't know. He thought I was joking too because he was like, oh, yeah. He's like, what? I mean, what do you expect? Like, they, that was the last thing they expected to happen, that kind of thing. And yeah, I, we ended up going back to my house anyway. No one was there, and I was just like, oh, this is weird. And then woke up in the morning, my alarm rang again. Son, where are you? I was like, I'm at home. And she's like, What was your dad there? I was like, No. So like, I told you, da da da. I was like, Oh, are you for real? So it wasn't until the morning, I was like, Oh, maybe she's, you know, yeah, real. And then when I when they saw her, after I saw her, then I could tell it was real because she had like strangulation marks around her neck and wow. her eyes bruised as well and I was like what the hell and then yeah everyone tried to ring my dad and see if he would come back but it was like that was on a Thursday morning mm-hmm. Thursday or Friday morning and ended up the police ended up finding him on Monday morning wow. oh, he hung himself that's so sad I'm sorry oh it's, you know it's all part of, I suppose, life. It's part of my resilience, I suppose, that you can call yeah. it now. Part of the and plot. I, I can kind of, huh? I said it's part of the plot for your movie. Anything that's happened before wouldn't have led me to where I am right now at this moment. So mm-hmm. I'm just thankful that, you know, you didn't end up killing my mom. So I still have my mom today. I don't have any malice or anything against my dad. I don't hold anything against him. I still love him. That's my dad. Mm-hmm, of course. Yeah, and like what he did to my mom wasn't any reflection on what he did to me, you know. So I don't mm-hmm. hold anything against him. You know, he was obviously fighting his own demons, and I mean, I guess the saddest thing about that was I don't remember my last conversation with him. Oh no! Because, like I said, yeah, he moved to America when I was twelve. Yeah. And he came back when I was 19, so he was back for three months until he did that. So, like, when we saw him, like, we, from when I was 12 till I was 19, we only spoke on the phone every so often because he was in in America. And then we all got to visit him in America, like, Mm -hmm. me and my siblings. My, my, My brother went first, I think, for, like, three months, like, our school holidays at the end of the year. So he went for, like, 
six weeks or eight weeks. And then my sister went, and then I was the last one to go. And I was 16, so I hadn't seen him for three years when I first saw him again. Wow. And I was bigger this time, so. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I was bigger this time because before when I was little, <laughs> I remember him. Because he, he also he used to beat up my mom when I was a kid, and I used to remember mm. that as well. I even actually had to ring the police on him when I was five. Wow. That is yeah. not a task a five-year-old should be doing, or any child, you know, regardless of the age. Yeah. I, I, I just remember hearing them fight, and then I woke, like, went into the room and something, because usually we'd hear that stuff before. As a kid, you don't know what's going on. You're just hearing all these mm-hmm. noises of things broken and stuff like that. I guess you don't want to envision what, what's happening. And then I think I reached nosy and seen what was happening and went out. And my mother's like, go, go to your neighbor, go to my auntie. It wasn't my auntie, it was our neighbor. So go mm-hmm. to your auntie and call the police. You know, the dad's out of control. And I remember that as a kid. And so it was a bit of so a... So how, how do you think that these experiences and like your dad passing, I guess, helped you turn into who you are today? Like what what did they give you? If that makes sense, I think it was—it wasn't just my dad, but I was like my whole family, my whole upbringing. Mm-hmm. Like, would be kids, would all be like really close with my cousins, my auntie, my grandparents who passed away too. We're very close, and we always used to go to our family house when we were younger. But they always had like parties and drink up at their house, so we would all be sleeping in the kids. It would be like, um, I don't know, maybe. Five of us or six of us in a room sleeping on a bed or mm-hmm. in, in some bunks, and we'd all like sleeping. And then the, the adults would be outside drinking and stuff like that. And I just remember as a kid listening to them drinking and fighting and stuff like that. And I think I held on to that, and I and I never wanted to go down that path, you know, of drinking or because I even when I was at high school, I was like, no, I'm not going to drink. Like I try to be good. Because I yeah. knew what the path took you to, because I'd seen it firsthand, and I didn't want to go there. Like my family, you know, I love my family, but I think, bar me, they 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 all live in New Zealand, and no one's left. They're still there. Yeah. You know what I mean? They all have families, yes. which they have kids, and which they have obviously responsibilities, and they had them young, so they haven't got to experience the traveling and everything that I got to do. And I always said to myself, you know, I don't want to be like the rest of my family. Yeah, it's like they were they were the perfect example of everything you didn't want to become, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I feel like I've I've definitely had that in my life too, where I see the way like certain family members are or like how they hold on to things or, you know, just different things. And I'm like, I just want to make sure that that's not who I turn into or who I become. Because especially as like they're your parents, you have them in you. So it's a lot easier. And like, there's the tendency there to kind of follow in their footsteps. So yeah, makes sense. And then how, how did you handle or process your dad passing? Like, how were you able to get through that? I don't know if I ever think I don't know. Cause when it first happened, the news, like I still thought it was like surreal. I didn't think it happened. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, nah, nah, disassociated. So when I got the call about him, they're finding him, I was at my mate's house because they said don't come home. So I was at my friend's house. Mm-hmm. And then 
I know we were at training, so we were at training, we were at academy, and we were at training, and then I, I never told anyone, and then I think maybe my mum must have rang his dad, my friend's dad, and so I was still training like it was normal, and then the guy, the, the coach was like, oh, you can, like, I'm sorry to hear, you can go, you don't need to be here, and I was like, no, I need to be here, like, I need to, I think for me, I just kind of, out of mind, out of sight, do you know what I mean? Mm. I didn't deal with it, so I was like, no, I didn't. And then I ended up didn't going home because in New Zealand, when someone passes away or like the body stays in the house like for a week, like you bring it back to one house, and so people really? can't say their goodbyes or they can yell at the person or they can yell at the goodbyes. person. Stop. Huh? I'm laughing that they come and yell at them. Well, because if they're still angry or they're still they, they, it's more a chance for the person. If they never got to say their last goodbyes, even if the yeah. person is sick or anything, they would say, you know, it's your space. You're there to talk to them, just to say your goodbyes. Mm. You know, so they yell. Some people yell at them, like, you know, da, 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 like, why did you do this? Or some people, yeah. And so they had the wake at my our family house at my grandparents' house. It's called a tangi, and in, in Maori it's called a tangi. I think people call mm. it a wake. And yeah. So they had it, yeah. So they had that at um, there. And I didn't go there. I was like, no, didn't want. I didn't want to go. And my mom was like, can you please come be with the family? Like all the family was there. I was like, like I don't want to be around it. Like I don't don't want to believe it's true. And yeah. then it wasn't until my mom rang me. Like I think that was on the, the next day. She said, all your friends are here. So all my mates, my school friends came, and so they're in the house. I still haven't seen my dad yet. I hadn't seen the body to see if it was real because they asked, does anyone want to go and identify him when it first happened. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, I don't want to see it. Like, I couldn't see a dead body, you know, like, especially yeah. my dad. And otherwise, the realization of it's true, you know, makes it become real. Yeah. So you had like a strong, a strong sense of denial, I guess, yeah, just I kind so. of lingering. I think so. And then I, it wasn't until I first went into it. So it was, this would have been like two or three days after it would, would have happened. So it would have been there for a couple of days, and my friends were all there. So I went there because they were all there. Um, and so I went, and then once I saw the body for the first time, I think that's when it really hit me like that it happened. Mm-hmm. But then I think I was still getting a little bit upset from what was, I was hearing from other people that were there, not my friends, but more my, I guess, my my family, my mom's family, my mom's side. They're very upset, you know, what happened. And fair enough, you know, they were like, but I didn't like people speaking bad about my, or bad about anyone when they're not there to, Defend themselves. Defend themselves. Yeah. I don't know that. And so, yeah, I think after that happened, I don't know, because when we buried him, I think we buried him on the Friday, and we had the, the funeral, and we were drinking and everything. I played the next day, played footy the next day. Actually played wow. pretty well, I got like man of the match. It was only <laughs> Did you? Like, yeah, under 21. I don't know if they gave it because, like, they just felt like it. Or mm. the year because I was good, but I was pretty good that that year, and um, yeah. So my family always say like, because there's been a few funerals and I've been away for footy that I can't make it or I come back for it, and I'm like, can I play this week? And they're like, yeah, of course they always want you to play, play, you know. Mm-hmm. They're, they're always proud of they they love watching me when I was on TV and stuff like that, and so if any anything happens like that, they say no, you know that's they always want you to play. Yeah, they always want the best for you. 
which is lovely. I think that's so nice. And so that like this whole experience, so this, this chat, I guess, kind of stemmed from my comment of you just being super go with the flow, super just like accepting whatever life gives you and kind of changing direction when needed. So you're saying that that kind of attitude you developed after his passing? Yeah, kind of like a, like don't like, don't take anything for granted kind of, you know, like the, yeah. that's like cliche or say YOLO, but like actual YOLO, you know what I mean? Like live every day like it was your last day, like yeah. that's how I would live, like make the most of any opportunity because you don't know tomorrow's never promised, so take the opportunity while it's there, you know? Yeah, 100%. And I think a lot of people want to live that way but they, they're just so, so stuck in their ways that it's hard for them to kind of just let go and like flow and you embody it so naturally. It's amazing. Like even me, like if something changes, I'm like, oh, but I had a plan for this. Like I wanted to do this. And like, even though I'm like accepting and I'm like, okay, like, yeah, like let's go with the flow. It still takes me a second to like get there sometimes if I've really been building something up or I was like really excited for something or so like that change of moving from um, like going to Australia to then just going down to Wellington like in my brain I feel like I would have been like oh but I was so excited to move to Australia like you know like it would have taken me some time to be like okay F it I'm going to Wellington it wouldn't have been just as easy as it was for you like you're just yeah it just comes with ease I guess I think also because I think maybe I just like being away like anywhere maybe mm. like I don't know if I, not, I don't like being around my family, but, you know, that just reminds me of where I don't want to be. Yeah. Um, in terms of, like, I don't want to be doing the same kind of job or just doing a job for the sake of doing a job. You, know, you want to feel fulfilled in what you're doing. I wanted to make the most of any opportunity I was given. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so when I moved to Wellington that first year, I was, like, working in a police station like cleaning I was like what what am I doing here like I was in Portugal <laughs> last year and now I'm here you know Wellington I was like it's okay like just I think that year that time um you know I was I I just met my first ever proper girlfriend oh yeah <laughs> and I think yeah, yeah. I just come back from Portugal now I must have been what 25 or something and I was just like I think it's time for me to settle down and find a girlfriend mm-hmm and so I was like, so she was actually the reason why I kind of like, for me, my journey is kind of like thankful because of other people, you know what I mean? Like if it wasn't for my friends saying move to Wellington, then I want to move to Wellington. And if it wasn't for my my um, ex, my first proper girlfriend when I was 25, mm-hmm. she was a nurse. And so she applied for a job in Wellington. And because when you're a nurse, you can only pick one place to go for sure. Like, okay. I mean, you have to stay there for a year. And then at the end of that year, of my first year in Wellington, and I was like, this is not going to work out. I think I might go back up to Auckland because there was another opportunity for me up there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I'm going to go up to Auckland because I was playing in another tournament. Like, this is all like semi kind of pro stuff. I was playing in a sevens tournament. I got to travel to Hong Kong and Malaysia. Thanks for the sevens tournaments they had like the hong kong um hong kong sevens like every year there's one of the biggest it used to be one of the biggest tournaments and they had a tens tournament like a few days before and so i, I went there and i played for um Tamarimana, 
he was our coach for one of the teams. Those who mm. don't know Tano, obviously don't know rugby. I'm going <laughs> to say, I have no idea All black greats, all black legends. Okay. And he was our coach. He was the coach for our, our, t- it's our invitational team. And he was like, when I was in Wellington, then he said, come up to Auckland. We can give you an opportunity here. We give you, a, they can't give you a contract, but we can, you know, here's an opportunity. So do you want to, like, if, you, if you're good enough, then you'll make the team. And I was like, oh, okay, yep, sweet. And then my partner at the time was, had just booked, like, I mean, had just settled in for Wellington. And she mm-hmm. had to, and she got it, got accepted. So she had to be there for a year. And she's like, I just moved there because of you. And I was like, all right, I'll stay here for a year then. And then that was the year, actually, my second year, when everything kind of just fell in place for me in terms of my my professional career, I suppose. I I kind of was, like, I don't know, I don't like saying lucky, but I guess it was a little bit lucky. Like, I was 25 and I got put into the Wellington Academy at the start of the year. And the academy is, like, for guys who are still at high school, so they're, like, 15, 16, and I was 25. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, coming in at 7 o'clock or whatever for trainings in the morning. These are people who go to either go to training and then they go to school or they go to training and then go to work. Okay. And so I was, like, going to training, and then at 8 o'clock all the professionals would come in. So all the guys I ended up playing with would come in at 8 o'clock, and I'm like – I'm older than most of these guys, so I was a little bit embarrassed. Like, I still in the academy. These guys are, you know, professional footy. And they're like, I was like, in my head, I was like, oh, I wonder if these guys must think, oh, this guy, you know, he's old and he's here. I, like, that was all in my head, you know. I played that in yeah. my head because eventually I learned, you know. Um, a lot of stuff we think is just all in our heads. Yes, I literally made a post about this the other day. It, like, we in, we're always in our heads. We're always overthinking and our ego is constantly feeding us messages of things that were built into our subconscious as a kid through experiences. And so as you get older, you constantly have those replaying in your head, like in your your mind's telling you things that aren't true because you're like, you're judging yourself or you're feeling like you're not good enough or all of these other things because that's what you felt in your prime primitive years, primitive, primitive, the young years, basically, when your psyche was being formed. And it's like, it's something that we all need to kind of work through to to rewire the neural pathways in our brain so that we can get rid of all of the limiting beliefs and like the the negative self-talk and all of that and actually stand in our worth and like see who we are so yeah that's like a big thing that i'm passionate about yeah so that 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 happened for the first few months and then i ended up playing like a game like for the academy, so we played against another mm-hmm. academy. Like Wellington played against one or two academy, and then I think I played very well. But obviously, because they're all kids, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm a grown, <laughs> grown man, but they're all like eighteen or sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. And oh wow! Um, and so it kind of like happened. Lucky I was in that academy, and then there was another another team. It was like um, the Hurricanes development team. And they had a couple of injuries, so they like just pulled me in last minute, and then I ended up playing in that team. And I was lucky; I didn't, I, I didn't think I was playing that well, as well as I usually am. Like I didn't think I was doing anything amazing, but they saw something. And then I think mm-hmm. it was one injury, one season injury away, and someone got injured from the professional team, so they brought me in. And that was a really daunting experience for me the first time I came in because these are like 
all guys, I guess, you know, so I was five, so I looked up to the All Blacks as a, like, there was, they're your idols, everybody in yeah. the team is idols, so my first, I think, day in the Hurricanes team, there was, like, legends, like, uh, Ma'anonu, Conrad Smith, um, who else was there? Um, the, some guys are still playing now, like TJ, they were just coming in, TJ Perinara, uh, Bowden Barrett, and Jeremy Fosh, um, Owen Franks, all these guys I've just seen on TV and, you know, mm-hmm. and just admire for so long. Didn't ever think I'd get to play with him or see him. Um, so, yeah, coming into that environment was quite daunting for me. Like, um, I used to be a very shy, very, very shy person. Like, I cannot imagine that. Oh, no, <laughs> Very complete opposite, but yeah, I, yeah, I used to be so shy. And like, yeah, when I saw them, I just like put my head down, like, oh, hey, 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 hey sir. They're like, hey, just talk to us. Like, they just they're just normal guys, you know. They just spoke to me normally. They were like having normal conversations, and I was just like, oh my gosh, these guys are like, they're just like us. You know what I mean? They're just normal, normal yeah. people. They're easy to talk to, but we hold them at such a high level as like. You know, as these gods kind of, and until we mm-hmm. meet them, we don't realize they're just like everybody else. They, you know, they, they eat, breathe, and shit just like everyone else. <laughs> yeah, and, for sure. That's, and I, like, that's part of like the way you said it. You're like, they're just like us. Like, that's literally the title of this show, like, just like you. Like, I'm, it's about understanding that we're all so similar and that I just, like, we're, with as many differences as we have as humans at our core, we all want the same things. We all kind of deal with similar experiences and we can all help each other learn and grow. And I just, yeah, I'm just, I don't even know where I'm going with that, but (laughs) it's, yeah, we're all, we're all the same. We're all humans. Yeah. I think a lot of people put a lot of people on pedestals because they see this fame or something like that. Yeah, forget that end of the day they're human as well. You know, they have feelings just like everyone else. Just because everyone else sees them like this, this type of person, doesn't mean that's who they think they are. They they might just think they're normal as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Might get to the heads, you know, some people. But I think we're all just here living the human experience. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this, I guess led you to playing the prof- like professionally yeah so that and so those opportunities so that yeah when those guys got injured and i came from the the academy we were all the kids from school into mm-hmm. the hurricanes development which is like the second team um then i ended up covering for covering for the guy that got injured and i, I moved into the professional team um from there but like my first year I was like half the season and then I got called into it and then I broke my thumb oh no <laughs> I broke my thumb and like I was just about to play my first game ever professional game and then I broke my thumb like two weeks before or a week before I was so gutted but lucky it was only I mean my finger all of my thumb I don't know if you can see my fingers but they're not straight oh yeah <laughs> So, the knuckle is just like, <laughs> yeah, so 
as a memory of when it happened. Uh, but I was only six weeks and lucky I had been signed. I got signed to one of the provincial unions, one or two, before that injury. But the level that I was playing at, super rugby level, was um, higher than the. It's literally you get picked for, to the All Blacks from that. From that oh, year. wow. So you were like right there. Well, you got to be a starter, not just in the squad, but yeah, like, you know. <laughs> I, that's where that's the level that that was. So then I had to come back down to the provincial union where everyone plays. So you play that. There's ten teams or twelve teams where you play that too. And there's like four teams in each province to make a super team. So whatever province you play, then you come into the super rugby team. But I'd already made the super team before making the province team. You know. Uh, okay. Skip the step. Yeah. And so I ended up, my farm ended up fine. Um, ended up playing that province for one or two my first year. Had a mm-hmm. pretty good year. Um, and then ended up making the Māori All Blacks, which is not obviously not the All Blacks, but um, that was huge for me. Like a lot of people yeah. think, like in New Zealand, don't think that team should be there. Or they think it's a bit, um, because they're Māori, they think they get special kind of privileges, but mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a very special team for me. And because, you know, like um, for me, I was I was brought up, I don't know, like we say plastic in New Zealand. Like, so if you can't plastic. speak, like, so if you say you're, say you're plastic Māori or plastic Samoan, that means you're Māori or Samoan by blood, but you don't know anything about your culture. You can't speak uh. it or you don't know how to. You know, you don't really know. I'm plastic you're, Polish you're, then, basically, because I can't you're, speak you're it. Plastic, like, you know, you're plastic, <laughs> you're plastic, yeah. Plastic Polish. So I was always thought to myself that I was like plastic. I always hmm. was embarrassed to be a Maori at school growing up. Like people would make fun of Maoris and Islanders and, oh, you're a fog. Like fog means fresh off the boat. Yeah. So at school they're like, oh, you're a fog. Like, oh, you're a Maori or you're a Hori, like that. And you're like, no, I'm not. Like, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I was a little bit embarrassed when I was younger to mm-hmm. be Maori. I'd always say that I'm Samoan. And then if someone was like, Life, I was Samoan, then I'd say I was Maori, you know, but I didn't know either yeah. too much of all. So it wasn't until I went into that team where I really like learned a lot about my culture and really wanted to find out a lot more about it. And um, it's a special thing about that team. Like that team is probably one of the, Best teams are my favorite team I ever played for because we're all related. Everyone in that team that's what makes that team so special. We're all we're all Maori, so we're all connected by blood down the mm-hmm. line or somewhere. And they always teach us about grounding, like um, so they teach it. you where to come from. So they always so in Maori, you you say your pepeha. That's like when you introduce yourself. I should mm-hmm. introduce myself with my pepeha. But in Māori, so you say your people are so I'll do it in Māori. So I say, Ko Chris tako ingoa, uh, tainui te waka, tūpiri te maunga, waka te awa, tainui te awa. And that, I mean, tainui te iwi, which means um, tainui is my is my boat that we came into. Mm-hmm. Tūpiri is my maunga, it's our mountain. Um, Wakato is my river. And then tainui is my tribe. So that's where my people are from. So if we ever, lost, if we ever feel lost, 
always can go back to our roots and be like, this is where all our ancestors came from. The mountain, this is the water that they touch. So what they touch, we never was how many years ago, now we're touching this. Bring your feet into the ground. And now that you're, you're connected with them, this is where they're all buried, all your ancestors are buried. So you can kind of, do you know what I mean? Yeah, that is such a beautiful practice. I'm like in awe like that. I don't know why, but that makes me feel a certain way. Like, oh, I just, I love that. There's like such a, a spiritual aspect to it, but then such like a community building aspect to it and just like being so in touch with your roots and your ancestors. And oh my God, I just love it. And so it makes you play for that jersey as well, like even more, because you want to play for your family. You play, you're representing your family. You represent, mm-hmm. So it makes the jersey mean more to you. Like you're like, this is for my family, for everyone else that could be, for everyone else that's played in this jersey, make you just like appreciate the jersey more. Because when you're playing footy, sometimes people just wear the jersey or something like that. And they just play the game because they love it or they're good at it. But for us, putting on that jersey means more than that. You know, it means like this is who we're representing, we're representing all of this, we're doing it for mm-hmm. all of our people. And it's, yeah, it's a very special team that I will always hold close to my heart to be able to play yeah. it. We got to travel like to cool countries. We got to go to Japan. What was my first year? No, my first year would have been America. I even went to Toronto and Yay. Vancouver. <laughs> went to Vancouver. Went to what the Canucks in Vancouver. Went mm-hmm. to Toronto as well. Um, we so was go- this the team you were playing for when you were forced into retirement? The Hurricanes was the team. So the Maldives the is the okay. team that you get picked for. It's like a representative team. Gotcha. Um, the Hurricanes and my provincial team was. Okay. I think it was. So, a... sorry, go ahead. No, 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 sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, so what then forced you into retirement? Like how, do, what did that process look like? Well, I don't know if I, I think I've retired from professional footy, but mm-hmm. I was still playing this year. Like, were you yes i told my bicep actually this year yes i remember um, you saying that but um i think that year i was just so lucky i ended up playing how many games over 50 provincial games for uh, my provincial team for three different teams so i played four years with one or two um two years with north harbour and one year with bear plenty mm-hmm. i think i ended up playing over 50 games for them over those seven years but that's only like 10 games a year and I think I missed two two seasons of those through injury and then for the Hurricanes I ended up playing 80 something 89 or 80 89 or 88 games or something like wow. that wow that's a lot games, which is, is quite a lot I didn't even mm. think I'd get to one but to play 89 when I got my 50th ring it was quite a huge, like, amazing at the time. We're like, because they all they see these guys all came from different paths, they were all younger. So I was like 25, 26 when I first got my first opportunity. They were all like 18, 19, 20, and they're you know, mm-hmm. and so the guys that I got close with were like, were like joking. Oh, imagine we always used to see guys representing their 50th game jerseys, like. Oh, I'm gonna to get to present your jersey. Or like we used to laugh at like, who's gonna present each other's like and they were like in front of me we were like because they already been there for a year and they're in front of me by like 13 games or 20 games and I was like and I never thought I'd get to 50 and then I eventually ended up surpassing both of them and 
presenting to one of them their 50th. Amazing. I presented his 50th jersey. Um, but I wanted to get to 100, and I think that was one of my biggest um, disappointments. That I think, you know, when I look back at it, I, I, I thought, like, um, that I was going to play another year with them. Mm. And I assumed, I think, I guess I assumed, that was my assumption on that I'd, I'd just been getting through, like, I, I wouldn't say I was, I was like, um, awesome. I did have my awesome times. Mm-hmm. I was like, um, I guess someone who just did their job, did their job well. And I thought that was enough to be able to get myself to 100 games. And so I knew, because I'd never got injured for my whole career with them, I think maybe once in 2015, we lost the final. Mm. I, I had done my hamstring in the final. And in 2016, we won it. But I never missed a game for them until my last year, my 2019 for them. And that was my last year of my contract. I'd always done one year, two years, two years, two okay. years with them. So I ended up doing about seven years, I think. Six or seven. Wow. So did they just not resign you? Yeah, pretty much. And it was like, I think the way I found out, like, I think they was at the end of the year. And so I just assumed they were going to resign me. And they're like, oh, you know, they told me during the year. I hadn't really had the conversation because I just thought, yeah, they're going to sign me again. Like, I, did not, mm. I didn't think I was, you know, done anything wrong. They knew I wanted to play 100 games. And I just assumed that they were going to sign me. And so it came to the end of the year, towards like we were about to play our semi-final, and then the coach, I know the coach, that's the guy that kind of deals with the contracts, I think, and he was saying, oh, you know, next week could be our last week, so we're going to have our leave end of year dinner, and, you know, we just wanted to know if you wanted something at the end of year, usually we only... So they, usually when someone leaves, they do like a montage of like clips and highlights of mm. of that. But that person has already signed like maybe at the start of the year or halfway during the year, they already signed the contract to go somewhere else. But for me, I didn't, I didn't keep my options open because I thought that I was playing for another year. Yeah. And I was like, um, he comes to me and asks me for, um, if I wanted to have one of those, he's like, did you want to have your own thing? And I was like, nah, it's all right. <laughs> I was like, I'm not coming. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to come to the thing. Like, that's, is that how you're telling me that you're not signing me? Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm not coming. And so usually at the end of the year, you have your end of year reviews and stuff like that. But that was after the dinner as well. So I was like, I'm not going to go to the dinner and then like go to the reviews and the coaches tell me, oh, you know, da, da, da. I was like, you could have told me before like, or somewhere during the season where I could have, I could have, what do you call it? I looked at other options. Looked at other options, you know? Yeah. But that just happened to be that year. I had like three, two, two bad injuries, I think. Yeah, I think I did. But the first time I was playing at the start of the year, of that year, and then the, the first time I wasn't selected was because my – my, um, my, who was it? My nana and my uncle, who live in the same house, passed away on the same day. What? So my grand, my uncle, he was like my, he's my auntie, my mom's 
My mom yeah. Sister, her partner no, but- had cancer, so he was sick. He was, so okay. he was already sick. My nana wasn't sick, but my granddad had already passed two years before that. And ever since that, my nana was not the same. She was sad. She wasn't the same person. Um, so she was always sad, but she was, wasn't sick. She, I was just in, I, I flew to the Gold Coast, actually, and my nana dropped me off that Friday. I think it was a Friday. And I flew to Gold Coast for the weekend because I was on plane. And then my my mum rings me and says, son. And I was like, shit, I got this phone call before because it was the same phone call she gave me when mm. my granddad died. My mum gave me this call and I was like, oh, no, it's my uncle. She said, no, it's your nana. I was like, what? She just dropped me off to the airport like yesterday. So like, mm. she passed away. She had a heart attack. Like, I was like, what? Like, I was like shocked. I thought it was my uncle. And because I was just in so much shock and I was like, Okay, I'll try and sort out flights to come back home because I was only there for like I think another two days. Where I was like, okay, I'll come home tonight. Mm. And then she rings me back in the two hours later. And she's like, son, I was like, what's up now? She's like, no, your uncle's died too. And I was like, what? Oh my gosh. And I was like, how did he die? What are the chances of them both dying on the same, on the same day? day? And they both live at the same house from different different um, circumstances, you know? Mm. And, like, because I just spoken to my uncle, too, before I left, because I went to go see him, because he was sick, obviously. He was in the house sick. And I just spoken to him. He's like, no, I'll get through this. You know, I'm going to get through this soon. But when I saw him, he was quite, you know, quite sick. But he's a strong man, so I thought that, you know, he would get through it, too. And I was like, no, this guy's one of the strongest guys I know. His willpower mm. and his, you know resilience he will get through this so our family we look at it as as soon as my nana passed away my uncle it's not his mum it's it's not his mum but pretty much he's lived with them my grandparents his whole life Mm -hmm. we say that he passed away to guide my grandma um, i'm not gonna lie my my spiritual side was thinking that when you were saying that she was the one that passed first, I was like, I wonder if it was like an energetic thing where because she left, he was like, okay, I need to go now too. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what we think too. That's what our yeah. family believe. And then um, it was a, such a miscommunication between me and the coach. I told him like, obviously what happened. And so I'd already missed a week before. And then he was like, oh, it would be nice to see you like this week. And I was like, but they didn't say there was confirmation of me like playing. I think someone mm. other because there's another guy that could have played, but I think there was someone that was injured and then another guy might have played. So he was like, oh, it'll be good to see you this week, but you know, you gotta do whatever is right by your family first. Yeah. So like, if you can give me confirmation I'll play, I'll come down. But I eventually ended up staying and I had to miss another game for that. And then two weeks later. What do you call it? I tore my pick, <laughs> which I thought that I was going to be out for the rest of the year. I didn't get it operated yeah. on. I went to Samoa for some miraculous reason. I didn't need to get it. The surgeon had told me, yep, it's torn. You need to get it operated. The physio said, and I was like, okay, run away for a week. We'll see how we go. And then I went away for a week for some reason. I don't know. Like I went to Samoa because I'm Samoan. I got to see my Samoan family. just felt like it healed itself. <laughs> It wasn't yeah. true. But I came back and I was doing press up and doing this and the doctor was like, how did it 
he was like, I don't know, but I feel fine. I wasn't fine, but <laughs> it was good enough. Like the, the yeah. surgeon would say, well, if it ends up tearing completely because it hasn't torn completely, if it ends up tearing, then you can just get it operated on anyway. So it's up to you to make that call. We can either do it now or wait till it fully tears. I was like, wait till it fully tears. And it's still, there's still a hole here in the chest anyways. <laughs> and so I had to do like a, a few weeks of rehab because I also I knew it was my last year on contract, so I was playing for a contract. Mm. So I was like, oh, um, I'll, I'll try and play through it. And then it ended up being coming back towards the end of the year and then another injury happened. And so I was like, my last year on my contract and all these things happened. So it's just like a sign of like, I think that's your body that's telling you that's enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Old, even though I had only been like, which to some people, like seven years is still a short time. Like in the game, like that's quite a long for a lot of people. It's a lot um, for your body to deal with. Seven years of being bashed on a regular basis. Yeah, some people do it for 10, 15. And that's why I have so much respect so for much. These, these, these guys that do it for so long. But mm. now, you know, I'm feeling the effects of it right now. I'm like, I'm only 34, but I'm sure I'm looking around like a 60-year-old. Yeah. So that was your final year playing then? So that was the final year. And that's, yeah, that was pretty much how that kind of came into retirement. I was actually supposed to move. That was my final year playing for them. So then I was going to move to um, America, San Diego. Yes, actually, I remember talking about this. I was going to move with my ex. My dream. I'm going to move to San Diego. Mm-hmm. And then another opportunity came up. And so I said, oh, I'm going to go to Japan instead. So I ended up going to Japan mm-hmm. and like pulling myself out of the American deal. And they're like, you can't do that. I was like, they haven't paid me anything. So. What's you know? What do you mean you can't break the contract? Like get me out of it. Like I told my agent, I was like, you gotta get me out of it. Like I'm, I have no interest. Don't they want someone mm-hmm. who wants to be like 100 committed there? Like if I come, I'm not committed. Like I'm supposed to come with my ex partner, and now I'm not. We're not coming together, so there's no point of me coming. I'm gonna go somewhere else where it's gonna make me happier. You know. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. You gotta do what's best for you. I know, but then that ended up like costing me. <laughs> Because they blacklisted me off the American market when I tried to go over there now. Mm. And then yeah. that was 2019 to 2020 was when I moved to Japan. And then that was the year of COVID. So I ended up there for three months before COVID happened. And then I was stuck in New Zealand. And after that, yeah. no one wanted my old body. <laughs> my old body. You're not the- even old. <laughs> 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 well, in terms of rugby, like my body is all like how it functions. Yeah. So then, what was the transition like once you stopped playing? End of 2021, was it? No, 2020. I tried to organize to get back here. And so that's what I organized to come back, come here, to come to Australia. I knew mm. it was Coogee. I knew because every time we played for the Hurricanes, we stayed at Coogee. And I was like, this is a beautiful spot. I didn't know the team. I know the team now. It's one of the most historic <laughs> clubs in Australia, apparently. Is it? The world, apparently, the team I'm playing for. I didn't nice. know that, but they told me about it. I was like, I've never heard of your club before. Um, That's cool, though. <laughs> and so I, the guy was a Kiwi. He's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's from New Zealand as well. So 
they brought me over here. So they said they'll give you a job and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think during, like, it was good that, I, that COVID kind of happened for me at that time for that transition stage because, like, when I was playing 40, I didn't know what I was going to do after because I was like, they keep asking, oh, what do you want to do? I was like, I don't know. I'm like, I, I'm not interested in this. I'm not interested in that. I needed to find something to be interested in. So it was nice for the, like, good timing for me in terms of when the pandemic happened because I was able to take a time and go through everything that I wanted to learn or wanted to do. And I got myself into, like, a good routine of reading. I never used to be a reader. Mm-hmm. I started reading books, listening to um, podcasts and things like that, just learning. Like, I was always... Um, and knowledgeable yeah. I knew a lot of things but just trying to find out find my niche I said what I wanted to do when I was playing footy was I didn't want to work for the man I don't know if you mm-hmm. know that saying but you know what I mean yeah but a lot of people work for the man and I was like I, I want to make sure that I'm enjoying what I'm doing that I love it and that it's um, helpful to others I suppose mm-hmm. I feel that and so when I first, I think my first book that I read, it was like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I was like all into the financial, trying to make money kind of, mm-hmm. how money works, interested, intrigued about like how all of this stuff kind of works. So I started studying day trading and I joined this academy thing that was like um, to learn how to, you know, trade stocks and stuff like that. And then I, what do you call it? I was studying real estate, so I was getting my real estate license. That's what I'd done. I'd done my real estate license in New Zealand. I was doing it when I was in London, so I was finishing off my papers. And so I decided, like, okay, when I go to Australia, I was going to do real estate. So when I came here, I was going to get into the real estate game. And then they said, hey, we got this job at the school working as a support learning, student support learning stuff, which is like a teacher's aid. You know, this mm-hmm. is a job for you to make sure that you have when you arrive and then after that you can decide what you want to do. And this was the start of last year and now I'm still working that job because I love it. Like, yeah. The job that I do, like, it fits my lifestyle. I, I, I get to help people, like I get to help kids because what we do is we work with the kids one-on-one rather than mm-hmm. teaching the whole class. I mean, we get to work with the kids who, like, suffer from, like, autism or... um. ADD, learning disabilities, or, um, you know, just have like learning disabilities pretty much. Yeah. And it's so cool. Like it's so refreshing. I get to learn again while I'm at school. It's interesting what they're teaching. Um, and a lot of it I get to do. One of the big things is that I get to do sport with them. So I take. Oh yeah. So I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm active as well. So I like to, I, I keep active as well and it fits like the, the hours of work fits my my lifestyle. Like I think I start at eight thirty and finish at two thirty. So before that, before I go that I go to the gym. After work, I go to the gym, or I have time to you know go to training or do whatever. The sun. And it still gives you time to play rugby. Pardon? It still gives you time to play rugby too. Yeah, and it's not professional. So when I fought, it wasn't yeah. like when I fought. Okay, it's gonna be easy footy, like. Easy rugby, sorry. 
and come mm. over here, it's not going to be that demanding on the body. It actually was. I, like I said, I ended up tearing my bicep <laughs> this year. I think because my mind wasn't in it. Like, I had no motivation to play this year. Last year, the season got called off. And I was going to say last year was my last year because like my body couldn't handle it. I could feel my body, mm. my joints in that being like, no, this is enough. Like, I can't handle this. So um, I was like, oh, it finished because of COVID last year for half the season. So I was like, oh, oh, the, oh, the club, they brought me over to Sydney. They set me up. They gave me this this job and everything that I'm doing at the moment. These people networking. So I owe it to them to play another, another season. But yeah, wasn't my heart wasn't in it like when I was playing this year? I was like, nah. I think that's why I kind of got injured too. Probably if you're not like present and paying attention, sometimes things can just happen. So when, how how do I want to word this? <laughs> I'm trying to think. How did it feel to go from playing professionally to now working like a normal person job in a school and playing like? not recreationally. I don't know if that's the right word because I don't, I don't really understand the different levels of teams, but like, how did it go from rugby being your job, like being your whole life to now having to split it between working in a school and playing, I guess, like in your spare time? I think for me, the period of time of not playing mm-hmm. kind of helped that transition, you know, because I wasn't playing for so long, but I was kind of still getting paid for that mm-hmm. year. So I kind of could decide on what I was doing. And it was like, for me, I kind of, I guess, I thought maybe I could get back there to that level. Like, so I still kind of had hope that I could still play. Mm-hmm. And then after playing, I was like, and working, it was actually after working and being like, actually, I feel like just, I don't even feel like doing this anymore. Like, it's not my passion. I, I'd rather like on a Friday because like you play on Saturday. So if you want to have a drink or something on Friday, you can't because yeah. you know, before your game, you got to make sure everything's right on Saturday. I was like, I really just want to be able to, like, I've always looked forward to the end of my career. I always thought about the end of my career in terms of working a job where I could go out with my work colleagues on a Friday, have a few drinks and watch Aww. watch footy instead of, instead of like, having to stress about the game tomorrow, about what I'm eating yeah. tonight, making sure I get asleep, enough water. It was more about... It was almost like a relief that you didn't have to stress over all these things yeah. anymore. And it sounds like the time the time that you spent not playing when you were like learning and reading and doing all these things, you were really just reconnecting to yourself and exploring and trying to figure out what it was that you liked, what it was that you didn't like, and then what types of things you would want in a job. Like the, the way you said that you just wanted to help people, like you didn't know what it was, but you knew that helping people was something you wanted to do. So it sounds like you just were able to really get in touch with yourself and something literally just fell in your lap of everything that you wanted. It was like you just manifested it into reality, which is amazing. I guess, yeah. I guess when you look at it, say it like that, that's how <laughs> Put the spiritual lens on it. Because, yeah, it's not like the the, the job that I'm doing, is, the pay is not like that great or anything, but like it pays the bills, it like puts food on my – I always bring it mm-hmm. back to, I suppose, gratitude, you know, because – I've yeah. always had it worse, like like I said, like I worked as a cleaner, cleaning the police station. So I've already had had like um experienced, you know, working and like just kind of that kind of lifestyle. So for me it's not a big transition where I think a lot of people, especially younger kids, like 
can pick up early. They don't go through that like kind of life experience of learning like how to work or meeting people or travel because they're just stuck to this professionalism, professional life of like, you know, yeah. get me wrong, they'll get paid well and stuff like that as they're younger. But then once it finishes, like they don't know what they want to do because they've never had really life experience, you know? So that's what I'm kind of mm-hmm. grateful for that I was able to have life experience before becoming professional. So it wasn't too much of a transition going back to it because I'd already done it before. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. 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 No, that makes so much sense. Would you say that you feel fulfilled? Like in in your job now and in your life, like do you feel a sense of fulfillment? Oh, I definitely do. I definitely. Oh, do. I love that! I'm so happy for you. Yeah. I think it's just my lifestyle, not just my job, but my lifestyle, like my life, yeah. like where I live. I mean, like this this is one of the most beautiful places in the world. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I go for a walk around. I live like five minutes from this big park called Centennial Park. Um, it's beautiful. I was there today, actually. And then I'm like another 10 minute walk or something from the beach where you can do the coastal walk. We can walk for two hours all along the coast, you know, and it's so beautiful in the morning. Like, and I'm yeah. just looking up, like, I was like, why would I move from it? Look how beautiful this is. Like, it doesn't cost anything, it's free. It's free to enjoy these little things, you know, these things that the world that life has to offer. So, why do I need to be anywhere else? I don't need any more money. I've, I've lived like a great life like even during my time as being a professional you know I didn't mm-hmm. save much money because I was spending it either <laughs> traveling or gambling or boozing yeah so I didn't end up saving much money um so now I'm like doing things that don't cost anything you know I catch the bus to work and I'm just like you know this is so cool like it keeps me grounded you know like but like mm-hmm. not so long ago I was like you know, my new truck and my brand new truck driving around, like, thinking I was like, you know, and now I'm just on the bus with everyone else. Like, I was like, like in my head, I'm like, this is so cool. I love this. I love that you have that perspective too, because like, even me, for example, I get so annoyed that I have to take public transport. Like I get on the bus and I'm like, oh, this is so frustrating. Like, or I get on the tube and there's delays and like, it's just, it's, you know, like it's not, like, I'm not grateful for the fact that I have a way to get to where I'm trying to go. I'm just annoyed that I can't get there fast enough. And so to have you sit here and be like, it keeps me so grounded. Like, it's so exciting to take the bus and just, like, be be part of that experience. It's it's nice to see that different perspective. And it's a good reminder to just show gratitude for what you actually do have in your life. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I think that pretty much one of my biggest values is just gratitude, you know. Mm-hmm. before as long as I have a house over my head food that I have to eat and clothes to keep me warm then I'm living a great life you know I can't complain I really shouldn't complain there's a lot of people with a lot far less you know yeah even exactly. since I've been in Sydney I don't even have a car and I was like I don't need a car because I can just get around on public transit and that just saves me especially now with the price of petrol I don't know how it is over there yeah. Like, yeah, it's so expensive. Not great. Like, I'm lucky I didn't have a car. It's going to triple the price it was last year. Mm-hmm. Like, just catch the bus is so much cheaper. I don't have to worry about parking or anything. It gives me like exercise to walk there. It gives me routine. I get to see different people every day. And like, oh, shit, I'm not talking to people. I'm just thinking, oh, what, I wonder what this person's thinking. I wonder where this person works or, you know? And like, yeah. Oh, people watching. So it's like, oh, I wonder. I see <laughs> someone that I saw yesterday. I was like, oh, wonder if they're going to say hi today or you know what I mean like yeah there's this guy in the morning I go to the gym every morning at like 
six o'clock, six thirty before work. As guy I've never even spoke to, but he's like outside this coffee shop that I always walk past to go to the gym. He's an old mm-hmm. old guy, and I just wave at him every morning. We just wave at each other. We've never spoken a word to each other, but for I love past, that. Um, a few months, we just acknowledge like we see each other every day, and just like hi, hey, just like this. But we've never spoken, but we just see each other. You know, and it's just that kind of. It's like this is cool, you know, like. Yeah, you're like you're building your own little community. Yeah, that's cute. I I want to challenge you to actually say something to him one day. Yeah, well, like I literally I'll be going tomorrow <laughs> and I'll be like, hey man, what's your name? Like my name's Chris. Like, it doesn't bother me. Like, I, that's I so cool. Like... We will thank you so much for being here today and for sharing so much. You've been super vulnerable, and I really appreciate that. And I give thanks for it. Um, and I just want to ask. If you could give the listener like one tip or or a couple of tips, whatever you want, um, based off of everything we've spoken about today. So like dealing with the loss of parents, having um, like your world kind of turned upside down with plans changing, you know, and anything, like anything that you've been through, what's something that you could share that would help the listener? I think, I don't know, like I said before, you know, tomorrow's never promised Mm-hmm. So make the most of every day that you can. So any opportunity that arises, I think I heard from a friend that they always say yes to everything. And then after that, like deal with the consequences after because <laughs> you never know what kind of opportunity you'll get or the people that you'll meet by saying yeah. no. You know what I mean? Well, not obviously not say yes to like every single thing, but you say things yes to a lot of things it just opens up more gates more opportunities for more things and stepping outside of that comfort zone and trying to just think that life is just life just enjoy the ride you know and do Mm -hmm. what you need to do to be happy i suppose i love that okay i have some ending questions for you um so just literally whatever off the top of your head comes up just say it What's one thing you wish you did more of five years ago? Five years ago? Mm. Yeah, I can't even think when five years ago it was. <laughs> okay, what about last year? What's one thing you wish you did more of last year? Did more of? Yeah. Saving. <laughs> Saving? <laughs> Saving money. <laughs> um, who is someone that inspires you right now? Myself. I love that answer. What is one thing that keeps you aligned and grounded? Being grateful for the little things. Gratitude. I love that. And what is one thing you have learned in the past week? One thing that I've learned. Mm, Something new that you learned within the last week. Um, Oh. I've learned quite a bit, actually. <laughs> of, you know what I mean? I've, there's so much processing on my head. I've, I learned that the All Blacks our team is not invincible, like everyone thinks they were. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, they lost again to South Africa. Did they? Yeah, that's it. Third out of, they've lost three out of four games this year. Wow. I feel like that's not that's, that's not, not a normal occurrence. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Maybe they just need you on the team. No, not me. I'll still support them <laughs> lose. But yeah, it's, you know, it's something I learned. 
So interesting. Um, do you want to share where anyone can find you um, if if they're interested in chatting to you after connecting or anything like that? Um, yeah, I guess you can find me on my Instagram page. Um, I think it's, I don't even know the name on my page. You don't know? Do you want me to look it up? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, it's, okay, Christian O. Cristiano, that's right. Cristiano this. Your name is Cristiano? It's my Portuguese name. When I live in Portugal. <laughs> I, I was like, how did I not know this? <laughs> when I live in Portugal, you know? Fair enough. Okay, I'll, I'll link it bef- below for everyone. Okay. okay, guys. So I hope that all of you listening enjoyed this episode and got so much from it. The light in me acknowledges the light in each and every one of you. And I hope that you have the most wonderful day coming from two people just like you. Thank you.